Oh, hey, what up, fuckers? You just found me on a mission to rescue the Queen of the Turnip Kingdom from the wretched Professor Dinosaur. No, I'm not on drugs. I'm the protagonist of a platform game. When I'm not busy curb stomping creatures to extract gold from their bodies, I'm usually enjoying a video game or two. And being a veteran gamer, which is a generous way of saying I'm fucking old, I have many fond memories of the 16-bit era, especially the iconic platform games of Nintendo and Sega. The two games that defined this era in platforming, the best era for my money, were Super Mario World and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Super Mario World was first released in Japan on the 21st of November 1990 for the Super Famicom. Full disclosure here, Super Mario World is in my top 3 favourite games of all time, but I'm not going to let that sway me unfairly. I just feel like I've said this somewhere before on the pod, or on Twitter, or somewhere else, and I don't want someone else to point that out. Several versions of this game exist, a tweaked version that came packaged with Super Mario All-Stars, and a Game Boy Advance port. We will be talking exclusively about the original SNES launch version. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was released in Japan on the 21st of November 1992, for the Sega Genesis. It was also released on the Master System and Game Gear. These 8-bit versions were notably different from the 16-bit release. We will be focusing on the 16-bit one. Both of these games were massively influential releases on their respective systems, released during the most intense years of the console wars. But which game is better? We're going to find out today. So join me, bounding across floating blocks of dirt, for 1UPPod's video game deathmatch. Super Mario World vs Sonic the Hedgehog 2. We'll be pitting the two games against each other over the course of five categories. Those will be characters, level design, presentation, gameplay, and finally historical impact. The game with the most wins under their belt will be declared the winner of Video, Video Game, game Deathmatch. Death I don't know how I feel about that bit there, I'm just testing it out. A special disclaimer for any listeners out there still deeply entrenched in the console wars of the 90s, like those Japanese soldiers living in the jungle who didn't realise World War II was over, I am not presenting any of this as objective fact. If you like Mario more than Sonic, or you like Sonic more than Mario, good on you. This piece of criticism, like all criticism, is just an opinion. With all that shite out of the way, let's get started. Round 1 the characters. Whew. I just cleared a narrow passage filled with spikes. You obviously couldn't see that because this is an audio format, but it was very impressive I assure you. The characters of a platform game need to impress you just as much. The abilities of the main character factor greatly in how fun the game will be to play and the design of the character can determine how much the player is willing to immerse themselves in the game's world, and the enemies fill out that world and dictate how engaged you are by the challenge. I will not be considering the legacy of these characters, nothing outside of these two games will count for this round. That's honestly quite lucky for Sonic because legacy would sink that sorry blue bastard. Anyone who's played Sonic 2006 will understand. 
I will be weighing up the character designs and the character's function for this verdict. We'll start with the playable characters and then move on to the enemy types after. The Mario is a classic design, one of the all-time best designs. It's simple and visually distinct. Even someone with piss-pure art skills could make a respectable stab at drawing Mario from memory. I should know, I did it many times as a child. And he looks great in Super Mario World. The increased pixel count and the broad and colour palette offered by the Super Nintendo made Mario's design look more rounded, emphasising the portly plumber vibe that's defined him since day one. And there is a beautiful sheen to his colours here. He looks like he's got more dimension to his sprite than ever before. He hasn't entered the world of 3D graphics just yet, but he's the next step along that evolutionary path. This Mario feels solid. Mario's moveset is pretty strong. He can dash, jump, perform a spin jump attack, and he can scale fences. The character can access various power-ups that alter the look and feel of Mario. There's the classic Small Mario, the larger Super Mario, the Fire Flower Mario, and now there's a Caped Mario. The cape replaces the raccoon outfit from Super Mario 3. Not quite as iconic as that design, but it's perhaps better at articulating what exactly that power-up is going to do. You see a cape, you think Superman. You think flying. It makes sense from a design perspective. In two-player mode, Luigi is just green Mario here. The previous two Mario games made sure Luigi's sprite looked distinctly Luigi-like, taller and skinnier. That's not the case here. I need to clarify once again that I am talking exclusively about the launch version of Super Mario World, not the version packaged in the Super Mario All-Stars plus Super Mario World compilation. That version altered his sprite to look more Luigi-esque. In the OG Super Mario World, Luigi has no personality of his own. It's a real letdown for a big Luigi fan like me. In Sonic 2, Sonic's design is distinct. Again, simple, but with a dynamic use of colour. He's rendered beautifully in this game. The use of shading to give him a sense of dimension despite being 2D, he just looks great. His moveset is more interesting than Mario's here because it has a consistency to it. It all fits his character's gimmick. He can run, he can come to a screeching halt, which is a nice little touch. He can roll, he can do a spinning jump attack, and he can perform a super spin. There's a nice through line here to everything Sonic does. It's all tied into super speed and spikes. Tails, making his series debut, serves two purposes in Sonic 2. He accompanies Sonic in single player mode, mostly tagging along for a fun visual, and also providing a means for Sonic to arrive at his next level. But he can also be played in simultaneous co-op. His moveset is identical to Sonic's, but his visual design is incredibly unique, and he's noticeably smaller than Sonic, which provides him some advantages in avoiding traps. They tried to make Tails feel like his own character, even if they hadn't devised any powers unique to him just yet. While Super Mario World had a somewhat disappointing turnout for the main characters, it absolutely excels in terms of enemy types. There are roughly 66 enemies, not including fixed obstacles, and there are 10 bosses. There is an incredible variety of shapes and sizes for these enemies. They each present unique dangers to Mario. They're designed to fit into specific levels. The game is a constant surprise in the sort of dangers it throws your way. Sonic, on the other hand, is a bit of a letdown here. There are 27 enemies, and they're all variations on a theme, robotic facsimiles of animals. There are 11 boss battles, and they're again variations on a theme. Dr. Robotnik in his little eggmobile with a mechanical attachment that you have to take down. All of the enemies and boss battles make sense for the main characters and their abilities, but they really struggle to stoke the imagination in the same way Mario's Rogue Gallery does. For the final verdict on this round, it's a real mixed bag. Sonic would likely take this if it was just for main characters, but only by the skin of his teeth. But factoring in the enemy types here, 
it cannot be overlooked that Mario absolutely trounces Sonic in this regard. The winner for round one is Super Mario World. Round 2. Level Design Oh nice, that dead creature dropped more gold. It's always nice to be surprised like that. And a platform game's level design needs to have some surprises of its own to keep the player interested. In platform games, the hero's journey is only as good as the platforms the hero journeys across. Ah fuck it, it's a lava level. I'll try to be careful while I do this. So, Super Mario World boasts 73 levels spanning 9 worlds. There's a wonderful range of level types. Classic ground-based levels, Super Mario 2 inspired scaling stages, ghost houses which feel like mazes, and a final castle for each world. Each stage presents their own unique challenges with unique enemy types and obstacles to keep things interesting. There are occasional unique paths through the stages, so you can replay a level and try a different way through. Like any classic Mario game, it presents a way to clear stages as quickly and effortlessly as possible. It's designed to allow muscle memory and pattern recognition to team up, giving any speedrunners something to sink their teeth into. I nearly shot that one. A few pixels off and I'd be dead. So, Sonic 2 has 11 zones with 20 stages in total, but what it lacks in volume it makes up for in complexity. Sonic 2's stages are often stacked, these multi-layered stages come with numerous paths throughout, making every run potentially unique to the last one. They are designed to accommodate Sonic's incredible speeds, making a lot of the run feel so smooth and seamless that you would assume the path you're running along is the only path in the game, and you didn't just miss a dozen other potential ways around. Emerald Zone keeps things simple with two pathways, which can be switched between frequently to add extra permutations to the level. The Chemical Plant Zone comes with five or six different branching ways around each stage. Aquatic Rune has... Three to four. I didn't even bother trying to tally up the number of ways around the Casino Night Zone. My eyes just went cross-eyed trying to make sense of it all. Meanwhile, Hilltop has three to four clear paths. Mystic Cave has four to five, maybe six. Oil Ocean has 5-6 to six clear paths. Metropolis Zone is another absolute monster. When you see the whole thing laid out before you in a single frame, it's simply jaw-dropping. The levels streamline after this as they're essentially the final stages of the game and boss battle oriented. Most of the available paths can be swapped around mid-run, so if you miss a jump or simply change your mind mid-run, there's still ways for you to get through without breaking momentum. It's a marvel of level design, and it never draws attention to itself because of how zippy Sonic is. Whatever path you go along is the right path. Nothing else really registers. It's a great marriage of level design and character function. Oh, fuck. Shit. Okay, so lava hurts. The winner here is Sonic 2. Round 3. Presentation. Ah, <sighs> great. It's the obligatory water level. Just give me a minute, I see a power-up down there.
fuck. It was a force field. Okay, now that I'm in a secure air pocket, I can continue. Presentation covers the visual designs, the graphical execution of those designs, the music, the sound effects, all the ways the game expresses itself through sights and sounds. The best way to describe Super Mario World's art style is round. Everything has nice smooth curves, the colours are vibrant and shaded to accentuate that round feel. Everything has a sense of depth to it, despite being 2D. Every sprite is clearly defined. There's a level of detail to their faces that had never been seen before now in the series, and it really brings these characters to life. If there was a criticism to be levelled at Super Mario World's luck, it's that it gets a little repetitive. I could look at these backdrops all day, but there's no denying that you see a lot of the same stuff across the insane number of levels scattered across this game. There's really only so much variety you can cram into a game with 73 fucking levels, to be fair. The music is wonderful throughout, Super Mario Bros. might have the iconic theme, but it's the themes of Super Mario World that I find myself humming while I'm working, or having a bath, or playing with my child. Every theme is lively and energised and memorable. <sighs> okay, I'll try to wrap this up quick because I just realised this force field is airtight and I'm increasingly breathing in more carbon dioxide by the minute. Sonic 2's art style is in line with its predecessor. It's not reinventing the wheel here, but it didn't need to. Unlike Super Mario, Sonic 2 wasn't transitioning from 8-bit to 16-bit. Sonic had already nailed its look, so why mess with perfection? The characters are all perfectly designed, and the sprites are all perfectly drawn. The use of colour with each character gives them dimension, helps them pop from their surroundings. In this sense, the scenery complements them perfectly. The use of colour is bold and eye-catching. There's a lot of space to use up here, and a lot of it will be rushing by your eyes at high speeds due to the nature of the gameplay. One colour scheme will dominate large sections of the environment. There's not a lot of blending of colours going on here. It keeps things simple but easy to process. It's never distracting. It never strains your eyes. The music is also note perfect. Each stage has a unique vibe and comes with its own entirely unique themes. The music accentuates the environment. The visuals are stylish, vibrant and coherent despite being such a fast-paced game and the sound works in tandem with the visuals to make every inch of the game feel unique. The winner is Sonic... Ah, shite, the force field is nearly that time. But the next checkpoint is in sight, so hopefully I'll have time to... A walking stick of dynamite got me. I didn't even know this level had those. I'm getting pretty low on extra lives now, so I'd best be careful. Round 4. Gameplay. Okay, that was really annoying, but let's not dwell on it. We're here to talk about gameplay, which is what really matters. Platform games hinge on precision. Well-calibrated controls, a fine balance between accuracy and challenge, where every jump needs to be achievable, but not necessarily easy. If you don't program the jumps just right, or you mess up with the hit detection even a little, you can take a blisteringly fun game and make it a real pain in the balls. Super Mario World follows a generation's worth of trial and error and fine-tuning from Nintendo and the results are, unsurprisingly, utter perfection. The game is buttery smooth. Every action works perfectly together, so you can string together unbroken chains of motion and action so you can feasibly complete an entire level without stopping to breathe. It's a speedrunner's dream. 
The game expands on the classic tropes established in previous games, such as polishing up the overworld map that Mario 3 introduced, enhancing the flight mechanics to include dive bombs and floating, but it's not content to stop there. Super Mario World has a range of unique mechanics, including Mario's expanded offense, new ways to traverse stages, such as climbing, and the introduction of Yoshi to expand the ways you can move and fight through each stage. Ooh, an invincibility power-up. Fuck yes. Now I'm just gonna plow through a shitload of these dudes. Wait, no, that came out. Fuck it. Never mind. Anyway, Super Mario World is the pinnacle of 2D Mario games. Oh, fuck. My invincibility is all out. Fuck's sake. It was a smart move of Nintendo's to move into 3D for the next mainline Mario game because there was honestly no topping this one. It's a perfect platform game. Sonic 2, much like the rest of the Sonic trilogy for the Mega Drive, is a unique entity in platform gaming. No one was making platform games like this, where gaining pure speed and momentum is the main factor to success. The classic Sonics knew to avoid taking on Mario at his own game, so they invented their own. It's got a blistering pace and it's remarkable how well calibrated every motion is. Much like Mario, you can complete a stage in one fluid sequence if you know how. There's one criticism that can be made, and it's such a mild one, but it applies in this very specific video game deathmatch context, so it needs to be said. It can be argued that the whole thing is a bit one note. Sonic 2 was a series in its infancy, it was redefining how the platform game worked, so it had no need to innovate beyond the core gameplay, which was already fairly innovative of its own. Super Mario World is the fourth Mario game, or fifth if you recognise the Lost Levels as an official Mario sequel. It needed to do more, so the level of variety and innovation is far greater. This makes Super Mario World... So, the winner is Super Mario World. Let's get out of here. Round 5. Historical Impact I'm in the lair of the final boss, so it looks like we're nearly done. The final category is Historical Impact. Super Mario World and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 are both massively influential games, easily among the defining games of their era. But which one had the more lasting impact? Super Mario World introduces Yoshi, spawning a whole series of spin-offs. It was the last mainline 2D Super Mario game to be released. New Super Mario Bros. doesn't count as a mainline game, just to be clear. The series walked a new path rather than following in the footsteps of this game. How do you even get automated swinging wrecking balls installed in a castle? On the other hand, Sonic 2 introduced Tails, setting the stage for an ever-expanding cast of side characters. It would be followed by Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles before embarking on a turbulent journey into 3D gaming. Mario was overall the far more successful franchise compared to Sonic, the latter peaking with its 16-bit originals, whereas Mario went from strength to strength and constantly innovated. But neither Super Mario World or Sonic 2 really left a big mark on the way the future games in the franchise were made, so it really comes down to the cultural differences. For the sheer number of ways Yoshi has been utilised by Nintendo, it's clear he is a major character in his own right, and capable of carrying multiple different franchises on his own. Tails has always been handled more like a sidekick. It can't be denied that Yoshi has left a far greater mark on Nintendo's legacy than Tails has for Sega, so this ground goes to Super Mario World. 
like this leads to the boss stage. Go on guys. The final verdict. As I suspected, it's the final boss, so that's a fitting time to offer some final thoughts. The winner for this episode of 1UP Pod's video game deathmatch is Super Mario World. A hard fought battle on both sides, there truly is no bad game here. Both games are as close to perfect as you can get from a 16-bit platformer. Mario fans and Sonic fans had it great in the early 90s. I adore both games and I love revisiting them both for this. They both hold up 100%. And as I said, they're both perfect games. Oh, he's dropping bombs from a single man Zeppelin now. Oof. So thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this show, then please recommend it to your friends. And get in touch with your ideas for future video game deathmatch episodes. Please make sure you're subscribing to us or following on your favourite podcast platform. Check out all our other content available right now including an episode dedicated entirely to Super Mario himself. question how he managed to get a piston-powered giant metal fist installed in that small airship, but never mind. <laughs> Fuck, he's insistent. So, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 1UPPod, that's 1-U-P-P-Odd. You can find me on Twitter at truly underscore defective, and we'll see you again soon for another episode of 1UP Pod's video game deathmatch. But in the meantime, don't forget to get a life and 